It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Cowboys, your daily podcast on the Dallas Cowboys. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Cowboys podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in. I am your host, Marcus Mosier. You can find me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosier. And joining me today is Landon McCool. You can follow him on Twitter at McCoolBCB. You can check him out on the Best Coast Boys podcast with our friend John Owning. Landon, what's going on, sir? Not much. Uh, we're ready to uh, <laughs> to take on the onslaught, uh, the, 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 the hordes of of Cowboys Twitter uh, as they descend upon us with with their questions and and hopefully we can satiate them with our uh, with our answers. I, I I doubt it very seriously though. <laughs> so before we get to this uh, our our Twitter questions for today, I have to tell you a story that probably only matters to me and you. Uh, but yesterday, as we were recording the podcast, we were like three minutes in, and I spilled coffee oh, all over my the desk. So have now turned. my. my, my <laughs> I, my 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 little office smells like coffee, and I, as much as I like coffee, smelling old Ooh, coffee is not a great man. smell. It, it's eh, yeah, eh, it's uh, whatever. I have first world problems. Well, clearly, right? clearly, we, we've, right. we're each one for one on that category. So uh, the next guy to completely spill a <laughs> cup of coffee uh, wins a free T-shirt. I, we'll, we'll go with that. Uh, yeah, something like that. All right, let's go ahead and jump into our questions. Uh, the first one comes from Willie. What would benefit this team more, an elite safety or an elite tight end? Um, well, I'll, I'll throw this one to you, Lena. What, which one do you think the Cowboys maybe should target this offseason? Which one do you think would actually help improve this team? That's tough. You know, I, I think uh, I, I think that at this point, um, you know, it's probably six one half dozen the other. Really? I mean, I, I my my head yeah. probably goes more towards tight end because I feel like there is, uh, because I feel like the offense in general needs more receiving t- talent, right? Or just like, or at least it needs its uh, t- more weapons, it needs their weapons yeah. to develop quicker. Or yeah, like that's where I feel like there's improvement to be made. I guess is the best way to say that. Uh, safety. It's not that there is an improvement to be made, but I, but I also feel like. You know, Woods has done a lot of good stuff late, uh, the last few weeks. Um, I'm definitely interested in seeing what he does, you know, with another offseason back there. Um, you know, I'm not turning down either one of those two positions. I think that going into the draft next year, we'll, we'll be talking about those two positions, uh, you know, as as targets. Uh, but I, Well, let me ask you this. What's, what's harder to find, an elite safety or an elite tight end? Well, it's probably harder to find an elite safety. Um but I would say that, requ- you know, that our offense probably needs an elite tight end more than it needs an- that our defense needs an elite safety. Let's put it that way, right? Like, see, see, I think I would make the case that it's probably an elite tight end because how many guys in the NFL today can do both block and catch? I mean, your your top tight well, ends in Zach Ertz and Travis Kelsey they that, don't block at all. This is interesting because here's the thing: is that I, I tend to think that it's 
it's harder to learn the position of tight end than, than safety. But I think it's like the finding an elite safety, it, like finding an elite safety is a, a lot about finding someone who matches the elite skill set plus the you know processing power. That's difficult to find. Like finding that player is difficult. Like just the 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 person that has the makeup to play that position. I think with tight with tight sure. end, you can get someone who is good at one or good at the other, and 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 no matter what, tight end is a difficult position to learn in the NFL. So you know you're you're probably looking at a two or three year you know coaching curve depending on who you get in there right so uh i I tend to think that that it's a lot it's a it's a position that can be learned uh, a lot easier and and safety i think there's stuff there that in order to be elite like you have to have a certain amount of physical and mental processing makeup that is difficult it's a difficult combination to find whereas tight end i think you can be you can be drafted close and then molded into the position better and then develop into elite. It certainly seems like it takes a lot longer for tight ends to develop anymore. Yeah. I mean, it seems like by the time they're at the end of the rookie contract, they're just starting to hit their it's, potential. It's so much so, that they're being asked that, to do. I mean, that's the thing. Is with an, even with an elite oh, safety, yeah. you could simplify it all the way down to being the topper. I mean, that's not very simple, but still, you know, simplify it to being only a topper and then cover two stuff, and you could probably get away with it. With tight end, you you have to be in, intimately involved in in all aspects of the offense. I mean, run blocking, pass blocking, pass receiving. Like you, you got to know all of it. And and usually your position is kind of the, you know, the, the nexus of where of where all those things fit together, right? So yeah, I, I think it's your assignments are a lot more difficult. You're you're lining up in way more spots than a safety would. I mean, like that's the other thing is that you're lining up in, in motioning and in formations. You're, you're split out wide. You're split in the slot. You're on the line. You're off the line. You're an H back. You're an F back. Uh, you know all, and then you're asked to do execute all these different types of blocks. You're asked to execute blocks on the line of scrimmage, blocking down. Uh, you know from the backfield arc, blocking to the second level. Uh, uh, blocking defensive ends, blocking linebackers, blocking safeties. I mean, right. it's you right. are as tight end is maybe the most like football player position of them all, right? Because you are doing so much of what the offense entails. Uh, you you get you, you have your hands in a little bit of everything. That's why when we get to draft season, uh, there's going to be a lot of talk about the Cowboys, you know, drafting a tight end in the second round. I'm a little weary of doing that because of just how long it takes to develop that position. If you draft a tight end in the second round, you got to know that that player probably isn't going to contribute much for you for the first two years at the very least. So just kind of a conversation to, to think about. Uh, and we're going to obviously have that many, many more times before the draft hits. But let's go ahead and move on to a different question. This one comes from Raymond. What is our main red zone problem this year? He asked, is it Linehan? Is it Dak just afraid to throw an interception? What do you think the Cowboys' biggest problem is in the red zone this year? I, I mean, I think it's offensive line. I, mean, I feel like, for me, it, that's been the difference between this year and previous years is you don't have the same dominant play along the trenches that uh, is providing you the same opportunities. I mean, I mean, if you go and look, you know, there's lots of talk about, uh, uh, 
you know, Linehan's play calling about you know Dak that sort of thing. Uh, you know, th- those those are always those are always right. things that whenever we talk negative things about the offense, there is going to be a camp of people that are going to blame Linehan no matter what we're talking about. There's going to be a camp that's going to blame Dak no matter what we're talking about. You know, it's it, and it, it's you kind of get shown that when you show like the the Jarwin drop, like and, and there's still people blaming Dak for that stuff, and it's like. You're just going to blame Dak no matter what. So, uh, I tend to think that what's going on is that, you know, in between the twenties, in the middle of the field, they're able to mitigate the losses along the offensive line a little bit because they're, you know, they've got really great uh, talent at at running back. You know, they've gotten some talent now at wide receiver. They can get the these situations where they can get the ball quickly to who they need and let their playmakers make the the the, the plays that's worked for them when things get compressed down in near the red zone and the the offensive line can't move people off the ball uh you know it it makes things difficult for the zone read it makes things difficult for rpos because you're not getting the blocking they're used to handing off the ball to zeke is not the same option. You know, I, I think that it is between the tackles. It's not the same, you know, kind of universal success rate that it is you know, between the 20s. I meant not between the tackles. Um, sure. I, I tend to think that, you know, if you go back and look at all the the runs and the red zone and, and, and you know, all the play calls, I, I think the reason that they aren't – they are reluctant to call a lot of these runs – uh, in the red zone or hand the ball off to Zeke is because it, they haven't had a great rate of success doing it. You know, they've had problems handing the ball off and, and getting uh, positive gains out of it, at, at, clearly at the same rate that they would normally. And and then you add in, you know, uh, uh, the pressure uh, in a situation where, you know, Dak is already having to hit in, 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 in tighter windows, which is, you know, problematic when he has to get off his second and third reads. Uh, and I think it's just you know uh, uh, a bad combination. And then on, on top of that, I also think that there has been a rash of bad execution in the red zone. You know, and and if you want to blame the the coaches for uh, not coaching the guys in, out of the bad execution, I'm I'm here to I'm here for that. I'm okay with that. Uh, I don't think it's as much of an X's and O's problem as it is a you know. Talent level along the offensive line problem, and uh, a, a execution uh, problem on on the part of uh, Dax included in that to, to be sure, but he's certainly not the sole arbitrator of bad execution in the red zone. Everybody has had their hand in that pie. All right, so I completely agree with your assessment that the offensive line clearly isn't the same. Um, from 2013 to 2017, the Cowboys actually had the number one red zone offense in yeah. that five-year time period. And a big reason why was because of Des Bryant. Uh, during that five-year period, Des Bryant caught 31 touchdowns in the red zone. So when he left, that was a big chunk of their red zone offense that kind of just disappeared. So now they're trying to transition into more of a run-heavy offense, a run-heavy game plan in the red zone. And with the injuries on the offensive line, they're just not having much success. So I think it's a little bit due to offensive line. It's due to missing Bryant. Dak is not the best fade, back shoulder fade thrower in the NFL. Uh, So it's just a little bit of everything. And then on top of it, the execution just hasn't been very good in some of these games. Uh, I mean, listen, Jameez Olawali 
somehow drops a pass without it ever hitting his hands on Sunday, and that takes seven points off the board. You get stuffed on fourth down the next play. It, they just have had some bad execution down there. Um, I, is it going to change before the playoffs? It, I don't know. But it's just, it's been. I was just going to add in, like, the one other thing, too, and, and that's a good point, is about Dez. You know, I think that they had a solid plan to transition away from a Dez centered red zone offense. I agree. I think yes. the plan was solid, but I think the plan also included them having a dominant offensive line, you know, and then and, and having them an Absolutely. offensive line that was going to move people. And that's why it wasn't as much of a problem before is because they weren't relying on it before. But then once they got to the point where they felt like they could rely on it, suddenly the, the talent and the play of the offensive line fell off a cliff. And, and so the, the well, even let me add this in as well. In 2016 and 2017, on top of having Dez, they also had Jason Witten, and they ran a lot of RPOs down there to Jason Witten. They don't have the same reliable tight end down in the you know inside the ten yard line that they can use on those kind of plays. So they've really lost two big weapons in the passing game on top of a couple of All Pro offensive linemen. Yeah, and again, an RPO is only as good as. The two options that you're you're choosing, right? If 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 they know you're running an RPO, and they're forcing you to, they're forcing the read, uh, the run read, and then they know that they can stop you with their you know their front four against your your offensive line, then you know, uh, I mean that's that's what I would do. <laughs> I mean that that uh, that's pretty straightforward. Right. I mean, force them to run the ball, and then. If my defensive line can dominate them up front and my linebackers can dominate them up front, then just make the tackle and stop them short. I mean, that's that's you know that kind of eliminates that. You you really need to be having a balanced attack. You need to be having a threat on either side for an RPO to be effective. RPO is just helping you get the numbers you want. You still have to you know execute the play, right. and if you don't do that, then RPO is no good. All right, let's take a quick break, and we'll be back to talk a little bit more about Dak Prescott. Let's pause so we can tell you about today's sponsor of the show, which is MyBookie. MyBookie has been in the business for years, and their rep is rock solid. They do 100% cash bonuses, so off the bat, you're making money for doing absolutely nothing, and they have the fastest payouts. Seriously, just two business days. I would only recommend a service to my listeners that has been good to me, and that's why I'm urging you guys to make your way to my bookie. You win, they pay. They have in-game live betting, the most rewarding player perks in the business, and an all-new mobile site that makes wagering on the go a breeze. If you join now, my bookie will match your deposit with an up to 100% cash bonus. Just use promo code Locked On to activate that offer. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Lee Boger wants to know, what are Dak's biggest issues at quarterback? Is it lack of pocket awareness, inconsistent accuracy, pre-snap reads, 
Are these things fixable? Uh, what do you think is, is plaguing Dak this season? I, I don't think he has. Okay, so I'll go through this list real quick that he provided. Uh, lack of pocket awareness. I don't think he has a lack of pocket awareness. I just don't think that his pocket awareness is developed the way Tony Romo's was when he left. You know, so I think that I would say he also he doesn't have a pockets a lot of times with yeah, poor offensive I mean, line, and that's kind uh, that, of a yeah. Problem. And I think that's part of it. I think you know there are times when he feels pressure, he spins away from it, gets away, and makes plays. Like you know, and that's that's part of. You know, look, uh, I'll give you another example. Um, Jared Goff, right? So if anybody's been watching the Rams yep. this season, uh, you know, oh, the first part of the season, Jared Goff is an MVP candidate, like, without a doubt. Like, I mean, just look at the numbers he's put up. He, he's, you know, he's, he's slinging the ball over the field. Suddenly, you know, they lose uh, Cooper Cup. And, and I'm sorry, this is not locked on Rams, but it's just an example. They lose Cooper Cup, and suddenly <laughs> yeah. uh, things don't go on schedule as well because they don't have one of their top receivers. And, and look what happens to Jared Goff when he gets off schedule. Like he cannot operate when his when he's off schedule. Like it's just not his game. That is a little bit of Dak's game. Dak, Dak can do that. Dak can get off schedule. Peel out, make a play. And Tony Romo obviously was one of the very best. And Dak is not Tony Romo, but Dak has that ability to. I mean, he's not yet, you know, but he has that ability to do those things. You know, have that awareness to, to get peel off and find the the guy open. I think where he has issues is finishing some of those plays because his issue tends to be getting sloppy footwork at times when he needs to slow down and reset his yes. feet. Like, and, 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 and that's yep. where I think, you know, he's still reverting back to bad body mechanics and he isn't, he isn't Cam Newton and he isn't Pat Mahomes, you know, where he can throw the ball with whatever, you know, body posture he wants and the ball goes wherever he wants. Right. He's, he's not that, that arm strength guy uh, he needs to know that he has to find a way to quickly get back into his uh bo proper body foot his footwork get his body aligned and then get the ball off quickly instead of just trying to necessarily wing it that's when i think he gets in trouble that, that's when i think he underthrows overthrows passes when uh, he, he um you know his his upper and lower body are disconnected uh, and that's all about foot. foot. Um, can Please. I make a comment about yeah, his yeah, footwork yeah. really quickly? Uh, if you, just just for kind of context, go back. I'm urging you guys go back and watch Tony Romo in oh 2006, God. 2007, and then compare his footwork to that of 2014. It was something that Romo had to work on for a long time for him to be as comfortable and as calm in the he pocket. He talked about quiet feet, uh, even Tom quiet Brady. Feet. Like there's there's a whole there's a whole oh, interview absolutely. with Tony Romo talking about how he studied Tom Brady and, and and Tom Brady's quiet feet in the pocket. How Tom just seems to be a dude standing in a pocket, like not having to like jump around and everything. Tony struggled with that early sure. on and had to learn that. Another thing that Tony had to learn was keeping the ball into his chest when he's moving around to the pocket, just like Dak needs to learn that still. Dak is still holding the yep, ball away from his, from his body when he's trying to move around the pocket, which is a, a, a causing a, a high number of fumbles. People are able to knock the ball away. He doesn't have three points of pressure on the ball to keep it, uh, to keep it you know, on him. Um, so, uh, you know, I think uh, some of these things are more fixable than others, for sure. Um, 
and you know, as far as coaching staff capable of helping him improve, you know, look, guys, you need to understand that like positions like quarterback coach, they aren't. I mean, he's not teaching him how to throw the football. That's not what the quarterback coach right, does. Right. Like the the he. I mean, I understand why you're confused because the same guy that Dak will go to in the off season to work on that stuff is also called a quarterback coach. But the guy who is right. the specific right. quarterback coach on the Cowboys, Kellen Moore, is not involved. Is not in charge. I guess is the best way to say it of fixing his mechanics. Now he may be there to point out, hey. This you didn't get your mechanics right here. He may be there to point that out, but mostly those guys' jobs is more involved with breaking down film, coming up with game plans. How do we attack this? How do we deal with this? What do we do with this? Dak is going to have his own guy that he's going to see in the off season to try to get his his feet right, to get his uh, uh, uh you know uh technique right. Uh, so as far as the coaching staff. On the Cowboys, their job is to take whatever product that Dak brings to the table next season and make it work in the context of the offense. Absolutely. Um, I want to finish with this last question from Christopher. What will it actually take to get rid of Scott Linehan before the playoffs and who would replace him? So this is a, a little bit in response to a tweet that I had yesterday basically saying I thought Scott Linehan should have been fired halfway through the season when they were struggling. Even despite some of their success recently, I still think they would be better to move on and, you know, potentially bring in somebody to advise like a Cliff Kingsbury, who we've talked about before in this podcast. So my question to you, is there any scenario in which the Cowboys would fire Scott Linehan before the playoffs? I mean, I think that there are scenarios. I mean, I, I think uh, are they likely? No, I don't think they're likely. Um, I, I mean, <laughs> okay. yeah, just to be honest, like I, I think the idea that Leary would be fired would be, I mean, Linehan would be fired would be like you know uh, if they didn't score any more points the rest of the season, or I mean, I could definitely see a situation where you know both guys get fired, like you know Garrett and Linehan both get fired if they lose. Uh, you know these three games or whatever. You know, I, I think that that would that could definitely you know do do the trick or two games right rather right. Wow, jeez, right, two games right. left. Um, yeah, yeah no. uh, so yeah. I mean, I think that that. Uh, well, I mean, including that Indianapolis game. So if they if they ended the season with a three game losing streak, I, I have a strong and they don't make the playoffs. Assumingly, I I have a f- strong feeling that both guys could get fired for sure. Um, you know, it's that the difficult thread at this point is a scenario where Garrett stays and Linehan's fired, right? Um, before right. the season happens, like I, I think that that would be more difficult. But yeah, I mean, I, any scenario where the Cowboys don't make the playoffs, uh, I, I think not only does Linehan go, but but I mean, maybe more than Linehan. Um, but I, I would say that it's much more likely. Th- that doesn't mean that I don't think Linehan will be fired. You know, I, I just think that it's less likely that it happens before the end of the season at this point because there's there's just very yeah, little time. Left. I, I, I would be shocked if he's back next year. That's at least my kind of whole take. I, I, on yeah, thing. I would I, say it's at best fifty fifty at this point. Yeah. Oh, yeah. At best, and you know, maybe a long playoff run could save his job. You know, if they go to but, championship but we've round, both, we've all but heard I, we've all heard whispers that it you know. It's not. It's gotten to the point where there's people in the building openly questioning it. You know. No. Oh, yeah. 
Uh, and that's why I feel pretty confident saying I don't think he's going to be back next year. But um, we will have to see. Again, if if they lay another egg against Tampa Bay, could they maybe strip him of play calling duties for the final game of the season? Maybe. Uh, I think that's probably more likely than just him outright firing him. But um, we shall see. We have two more games left in the season. Uh, we'll see what Scott Linehan can draw up this week against Tampa Bay. All right, that is it for today's show. Thank you guys for tuning in. Make sure you download and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. Follow Landon at McCoolBCB. You can follow the show at Lockdown Cowboys, and I'm at Marcus underscore Mosier. And we will see you guys next time. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.